Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 1. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people out today. You better be watching online. There will be a quiz. Um, yeah, I want to remind everybody um, that we have prayer here at uh, 1015. That's already been said. And then we have prayer every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. Um, I hear, read a lot of evangelists and a lot of uh, people that are Christians. And they, they kind of say, well, the, the gauge of the, of the church is the prayer meeting. Um, and um, yeah, I'll say that again. The gauge of the church is the prayer meeting. Okay, uh, it's easy to come and sing, and it's easy to come listen to somebody so pretty. But um, that was a joke, by the way. Um, but um, you know, it it it's another thing to pray because you don't see something. Usually, you don't see something immediate. But um, I'll say it again: the gauge of our spiritual lives and and the church is prayer. Okay, all right. Very 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 important to understand. Uh, if you say you can't get on on, uh, on uh, Tuesday night, um, if you can turn on a television and change the channel, you can get on. So um, come on down, all right? Very, very important. I, one of the studies that I've been doing for years comes out of Genesis chapter 2, and you don't have to turn to that. But um, basically, um, what it says in Genesis 2.15 is that uh, God set Adam and Eve in the middle of the garden, and he said, perfect it. He said, complete it. Uh, Keep it beautiful. Um, uh, Cultivate it, actually, is the word I predominantly use. And um, I don't think things have changed since then. But a lot of people are like, man, are you nuts? Have you seen my world? You know, do you ever think about that? I'm supposed to enhance and complete and perfect this? Yes. And I want you to get that. So many Christians, it's churches become a place you go and just get. Churches become a place where you go and, Pastor, just make me feel better. You know, church is a place where you go and just, Oh, just, Pastor, don't you dare say anything that will challenge me. Tell me what I want to hear. You know, help me to be able to feel good about myself when I leave church. Let me help you with something. I get up every morning at somewhere between four and five, and I get into the Word, and I'm going to be honest. Sometimes when I'm in the Word and I'm praying and I'm done, I don't feel better. Sometimes when I'm reading the word, (laughs) God says, you ain't there, boy. You understand what I'm saying? You need this in your life, son. And do you ever argue with God? I argue with God every once in a while. I never win, but I do it anyway. You know? And... And I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. When God is challenging you, he's not being mean. He's just telling you, this is who I created you to be. And this is what I created you to do. And one of the things I created you to do was cultivate the garden I placed you in. 
And I realized the garden God places us in today is not quite the same as he placed Adam and Eve in whenever. I don't know how many years ago that was. Okay? And I get that. I understand that. I do. But here's the problem. Instead of Christians saying, you know what? I'm going to cultivate my world. I'm going to cultivate my garden. I'm absolutely going to dig up the garbage and I'm going to plant the seed and I'm going to have God's vision for my world. Instead of doing that, what we do lots of times is we gripe about our garden. Do you ever gripe about your spouse? Some of the guys are afraid. They're not going to look. Right? But you gripe about your kids. Do you gripe about your neighbors? Do you gripe about your job? Do you gripe, 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 gripe? What good does that do? We Christians, are you listening to me? It is our task, our job, our opportunity to look at this crazy world, this crazy garden that God has placed us in and absolutely look at that and say, man, God, I have no idea how we're going to fix this. Now, notice I said we, because you're not doing it on your own. Okay, you can forget that stuff. But the call he gave Adam and Eve is the same call you and I have. And I'm just hearing way too many Christians gripe about the garden. Amen? What an opportunity we have. And I know this world's nuts. You know, I, the world's, I'm nuts. Can I get a witness? <laughs> The, hear what I'm saying. That's just the reality of a sinful world. That's the world we live in. I have people come to me and say, I can't believe they did that. And I'm like, but they're not Christians. How could you not understand? They don't know the love and grace of Jesus Christ. They don't understand the power of God. They've not been healed by the grace of God. What do you expect them to do? You know? The second thing God has been laying on my heart, and that is, is it's not my job to teach you how to be like the church. You're not saved. You're not recreated. You're not born again so that you could be like the people in the church. Thank God. You know? You were saved. You are born again. You were recreated. Now listen to me. Is everybody listening? You were saved to be like the person whose image you were created in. And that image is God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ was the one that came here and showed us what that really looked like. Did y'all miss that part? Jesus Christ is the one who came down through the heavens, lived in the same craziness and confusion and cancer we live in, 
and showed us how that's supposed to happen, what that's supposed to look like. Did you hear what I just said? Because I feel like I've not done a good job of pointing that out, okay? And over the next weeks, God has just laid it on my heart to kind of, I want you to focus on me. I want you to focus on Jesus. When you tell people to be Christ-like, they kind of need to know what that means. They kind of need to know what that looks like. And so that's kind of where we're going to focus. The first thing I want to focus on is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And, and, and <laughs> he said to, to um, Mary and Joseph, you're going to have this baby. And they're both like, but we've not had relations yet. And God says, you don't have to worry about relations. The child in Mary is born of or given by or the Holy Spirit is overwhelming her by God. And you shall name, give his, him, you shall call him Jesus. Actually, in the Greek, the term Jesus is Joshua. And if you remember the story of Joshua, he's the one After Moses messed up, he didn't get to go into the promised land with all the good stuff. He didn't get across that river, but Joshua was the new leader that took the Israelites across the river into all the promised land, the good stuff, the milk and honey. I don't know what that means. I've heard that all my life. The land of milk and honey. I'm like, that sounds kind of gross to me. You know, but the bottom line is all the good stuff is found in the promise of God, in the promise of his word. And one of these days, I'm really looking forward to the big promise when I go to heaven. Amen. I'm just looking because this place is nuts. People say, well, things could be worse, you know, and I'm like, no, that wouldn't be worse. I'd be in heaven sitting under the tasty cake tree. You know, it would be awesome. You know, just sitting there eating all I want. Because when you're diabetic, that really bothers you. Not I have tasty cakes. You know what I'm saying? But the bottom line is, is, is that's what, and the, the reason Jesus is born. And I want you to hear this. Are you listening to me? Are you, read verse 21. Is to save his people from their sins. You say, well, I'm not, where, I'm not sure where to start to restore my garden or cultivate my garden. Sure you do. Every person in your world needs the love and the healing and the grace and the power and the mercy. Just like you and I need the love. And the grace and the healing and the power, unless you're perfect. And I don't know that person. I've, I've met a few that said they were, but ooh, you know. But the bottom line is, I want you to hear this. If you want to start turning your world around, okay? It's not just preaching about church. <laughs> it's about telling them how much Jesus loves them. Telling them, Jesus Christ loves you. He always has. He always will. And I want you to get this part. Because church, we've messed this up. No matter what. 
See, I keep hearing from the church lots of times, it's, well, God loves them if. There ain't no if. I hope there ain't no if. Because if there's an if, I'm in trouble. Because I got a lot of ifs in my life. I know I'm the preacher, not supposed to admit that. But people that don't think they got some ifs in their life, they lying. Or they're neurotic. Or psychotic. Whichever. But do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus Christ was born to save his people from their sin. Okay? I felt like God, in, in preparing for this morning, would have me start right here. Because when you are saved, Jesus Christ comes into your life and establishes himself. There's a reality. There's a, there's a I know he's there. And I know that he's growing in me, even though on the outside... I'm the biggest doofus known to man. Can I get a witness? Huh? You see, there's a lot of Christians who don't want to admit that. I can't let them church people know I sin. Well, they sin too. Get over yourself. Amen? I'm sorry. We got to all quit. My Bible says there is no one righteous, no, not one. So if you think you're spiritually all that that you never and you don't need, you're in la-la land. Okay? But Jesus Christ came to save you from your sin. Let me help you with something. If you want to cultivate your world or your garden, it needs to start with you. You can't lead your world beyond where you are. I say it again, y'all missed it. You can't lead your world beyond where you are. I hear, you know, people, oh, you know, my husband, he's crazy. My wife says that. No, I'm just kidding. He probably does, but, you know. But then I hear, then I hear some of the stuff they say and I see what they do and I'm like, well, why would your husband want your Jesus when you act like that? You see what I'm saying? See, it's got to start with us. It's got to start with our mind. It's got to start with our heart. It's got to start with our soul. Amen? And then it just kind of naturally, organically works itself out into those around us. And if we really do it right, it begins to radiate out and out and out. And that's what we really want, isn't it? Huh? See, I love this verse because if I don't have time to read it today. But if you go home and you read the first 16 chapters, I, I hear people say all the time, well, I really struggle because I come from a, what do they call those families? Um, Dysfunctional family. <laughs> you know it? Would the, I always asked, 
Would the functional family please stand up? No, I'm serious. I hear this all the time. And, and, and it's a wonderful excuse you get sometimes from different people. And, and, and they, well, you come from a dysfunctional family. So it's okay for you to be a nut and an idiot. No! Stop! We all come, because of Adam and Eve, we all come from a dysfunctional family. Even Jesus came from a dysfunctional family. Read the first 16 verses of Matthew 1. You talk about cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, baby. I mean, they were liars. They were deceivers. They were prostitutes. They were adulterers. They were murderers. Jesus came from a dysfunctional family. And then the icing on the cake is Mary's pregnant. His mama's pregnant. And she's got to go and tell the one she's engaged to and her dad, well, who's the father? Now imagine if your daughter came in and said this. God. No, seriously. You know? I mean, you talk about woohoo, you know. But Jesus Christ didn't come down in some royal, perfect, no problems, no bills, no struggles, in the middle of all these perfect people. He came down in the same crazy chaos that you and I live in. Amen? You know? And it's very important to understand that. Then, if you've got your Bibles open, turn to the 17th verse. In the 17th verse, and I don't have time to explain it all, or we'd be here all day. But in the 17th verse, it says 14, 14, and 14. There was a period of time from the beginning, and there were 14 generations and then to David, and then there were 14 generations to Babylonian captivity, and then 14 generations to, to Jesus. Don't tell anybody I said this, okay? But that verse communicates to me that in the middle of the craziness, in the middle of the carnality, in the middle of the chaos, are you listening? Is everybody listening? In the middle of all this stuff, God's got a plan. You see, he set this up from the beginning. He knew this craziness was going to happen. And the cool part about Jesus was we messed it all up. I mean, from the day Adam and Eve sinned, we were just goofy. We were sinful. We were destructive. We just couldn't stay faithful to save our lives. We just couldn't stay focused. We had the, the focus ability of a gnat. That's just where we are. I'm sorry. I'd love to. Oh, you're so sweet. You're so perfect. We're just all singing kumbaya together. No. We live in a crazy Sinful, chaotic world. Here's the cool part about Jesus. 
You see, he had this plan. Because he knew that his garden was going to get all messed up. Are you with me? He knew. He knew that things were going to get cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. If you're young, you probably don't understand that. The older people understand that. He knew things were going to become sinful and very, very, very selfish. Here's the cool part about Jesus. He didn't sit up there on the throne and say, men and people need to get their act together. Because of his love for us, because of his love for us, because of his love for us, still a week because of his love for us Amen. thank you he gave up perfection heaven his throne his tasty cake tray he gave all of that up to come down through the heavens for us. He lived like us. Not like us, but in the world we live in. He had every temptation we have and more. He had every pushback that we have and more. Are you with me? He had trials and troubles and bills and church boards and religions and governments and he dealt with everything that you and I will ever deal with and he won Amen. he won And now that he won, we can win. I'll say it again. You missed it. And now that he won, by his grace, we can win. Do you mean amen or you just, if I don't say amen, the preacher's not going to stop? You see, this is important, folks. This world is absolutely out of control, and they don't need religious people. They need Christians. They need people that have left the junk of this world to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And it's hard. It's hard. I'm a fighter. I like to fight. but I wasn't placed here to fight. I was placed here to love and live and die for everyone around me, just like Jesus Christ. 
He overcame and won everything he was up against and came up against him in this world. Then, then, on purpose, <laughs> vicariously. Vicariously means in our place. He decided to go to a very, 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 very painful cross and die. Are you listening? And die. I got a cough drop, Jude. Do you want a cough drop? Yeah, I, you got a cough drop? All right, okay. You're welcome. He died in our place so we don't have to. Do you know why he died and then rose again? To cultivate the garden that he was placed in. This is such an important thing. I wasn't created in the image of my mom and dad. I was created in the image of Almighty God. So the one I'm supposed to be like is the one who came here and showed me how to live. And if Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins. Are you with me? Are you listening, Christians? It doesn't matter how much you go to church. It doesn't matter how many, how many perfect attendant Sunday school pins you got. It doesn't matter. What matters is, am I willing to die for those in my world like Jesus died for those in his world? Am I willing to come and pray and love and communicate Jesus Christ in such a way that I will give every person in my world the opportunity to be saved from their sin? You see, too often we live religiously and religion doesn't change anything. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, what happens is we automatically have the power through his spirit to live like him. Christians, are you listening to me? When we wake up in the morning, our first thought should be Jesus Christ. As we put, take our shower and go out into a lost and hurting world, our focus and prayer should be, Lord, I want to live like you. So how can I go out into this very hurting and lost world and help them to understand they too can be saved from their sin? Amen. Let me ask you, Christians, where are you at? First off, has Jesus Christ established himself in the center of who you are? Are you born again? Has he planted his seed and began to develop? 
in you and through you. Second, are you a person that looks at their crazy world and gripes? Or are you a person that looks at their crazy world? Come on up, kids. Or are you a person that looks at their crazy world and you get on your knees, maybe not physically, but mentally and spiritually? Lord, help me to know how to invest you in the hearts and minds of those around me. They may drive me slam crazy. They may be someone that's not very nice. But you know what? Everybody needs the love and grace and healing of Jesus. What you'll find is sometimes the nastiest people in your world. This is very important. The nastiest people in your world are the ones you're actually able to have some success talking to them about the love and grace of Jesus Christ because they're very, very hurting. What an opportunity we have to cultivate our garden. What an opportunity to wake up in the morning and say, you know what? My goal is to teach every person in my world that they can be saved from the very things that are destroying them. They can be saved from their sin.